All right, and welcome, folks, to a very special Aaron Clary-free episode of the Clary Podcast. That's right. First uh, he took out wearing, now he's taking out himself. Eventually, this is just the low snark version of the Clary yeah. Podcast. Eventually, it's just going to be an hour of silence. Mm-hmm. That's his plan. Um, but no, he, he wanted to take some time off, so he asked me, uh, his friend, the Beckloth, um, as well as my frequent sidekick on my show, Backlog Saturday Night Podcast, our live stream, Undertow is with us. Hello, hello, folks. And uh, Davis Arini is with us. I, I'm, I'm honestly pretty insulted that he didn't ask me to host the show. He just asked me to be a guest. I mean, well, all right. Uh, all right, well, I'll I think, do that. I think we need to address the elephant in the room here. Beckloff, when are you going to get around to narrating one of Clary's books, huh? Um, Both of I, us. So. That, that's Undertow, up to him. have I you narrated... One of our hosts' books? I have indeed. It's called Curse of the High IQ, and you can get it on Amazon.com. I hear that's an excellent book. Uh, you know what? I've, I've heard that he's written other books as well, such as uh, Bachelor Pad Economics. Did you know that that one is also available in audiobook? Oh, really? Who read it? <laughs> okay, let's stop <laughs> Let's stop ruining the podcast. <laughs> go go buy the audiobooks, folks. Undertow and it I make money the month off of that. Consumerism. After I, all. I don't, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think, um, Aaron needs one of his books, um, narrated in my douchey frat boy cadence, uh, <laughs> which I don't, I don't know how I ever picked that up, but having listened to myself over the years doing this, I'm like, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but there's just a, there's just a hint of douchey frat boy pop collar in my voice. And I don't know where the hell that ever came from. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really catch it. I don't know. I I find your voice soothing. You know, I even listen to you talk about like Mega Man and Sonic the Hedgehog for crying out loud. I don't even know what those are. They'll <laughs> see sometimes the little images on the computer box. You actually have a thing that'll control them, make them move around, do what you yes. want. Oh, speaking speaking of. You know what? I think you mentioned this on one of your recent streams, Beckloff. Um, and you, and you and I were talking about this a while back, where I'm, I'm considering doing a dissertion on why it is that autists love Sonic the Hedgehog so much. Oh, that'd be oh, good. Jeez. And, do <laughs> what the problem is. I'd like is, to know. It's, it's honestly, the answer is so straightforward and simple that it's, <laughs> it's not even a dissertion, okay? It's like, this, this is really all I've got. All right. Now, on, now on the one hand, listen for the normal people out there. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog. It's a very interesting kind of like maze puzzle game that also involves like zooming around, which is a lot of fun. Okay, everybody loves sports cars. All right, so like zipping through all those loop de loops and all that nonsense. That's a lot of fun. Same reason we loved Excite Bike back in the day, or or whatever it is that you enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I've got my issues with the game. I I think it's like, it's on the one hand, it's in, it's like so freaking easy that you can't lose, and absolutely impossible to get right. So I, it really frustrates me for that reason. But um, it, it's, it's a great game. Um, the reason I think autists love Sonic the Hedgehog so much is because, on the one hand, it's just the character. He's very rebellious. With a, ha I drink Coca-Cola because I'm a badass. <laughs> and his bright red <laughs> shoes. I'm wearing bright red shoes because fuck the police. He, he's, 
well, you know, with his little like waving his oh 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 oh, you know, he just that stupid finger wave and the. He's like so cool looking and he's rebellious, but in a completely PG thirteen manner. And, and so it's like the the autist uh, around the teenage year gets that desire to break apart, like the man shall leave his parents and cleave to woman. Um, they get that urge, but they can only they can only falsely manifest it through Sonic the Hedgehog and waifu pillows. <laughs> um, now, I, I've actually heard, uh, I've heard psychologists put forth a, uh, a, a alternative hypothesis to this that's actually even simpler than that. Um, you want to hear it? Sure. Shiny colors? <laughs> partly, yes, actually. Um, dead serious, it's partly the fact that it's very bright colors, but uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, as he was in the 90s, at least, um, was based on the old inkblot cartoon styles of, you know, Mickey Mouse and all those classics from, like, the turn of the century and all that innocent stuff. But the one interesting thing about Sonic the Hedgehog is that they made both of his eyes so big that they actually merge into, like, one pair of goggles. However, this makes his expressions incredibly easy to read. And what is the problem that autistic there, people have? There you unable go. To... Yes. You know, that's then, probably why they gravitate towards cartoons in general. It is. More so than most people. That's And, exactly and right. I found they gravitate towards um, anything with kind of anthropomorphic animals. Because, I mean, there's, there's obviously a huge um, overlap with the furry community. Well. Community in giant X fucking yeah. animals. Um but, but no, I, I always liked Sonic as a kid because I like the uh, I like the Genesis games. I think they're really well, well made, and uh, I really like the cartoon with like Princess Sally and, and the Freedom Fighters. Oh and yeah, the, that, uh, that cartoon was absolutely the, great. Okay, it was a brilliant the cartoon. comic book that was inspired well, by know, it. It goes on to this day. I think you know that really well written. You do know that that cartoon was basically Star Wars, though, right? Yes, everything <laughs> is basically Star Wars when you get right down to it. Well. Because Star Wars is basically everything. When you Except, get you know, the only thing that isn't Star Wars anymore is Star Wars. It ain't that the truth. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Our uh, gracious host, Aaron Clary, has recently written an article about this. You can check it out on Return of Kings. Yeah, uh, the, the Rogue One. First of all, Rogue One even... Rogue One didn't need to be a movie even before the PC shit involved in it. It's like, hey, remember that throwaway line about these guys got us the plans to the Death Star? Oh, yeah, that needs shit. to be a movie. <laughs> guys, <laughs> mini buttons. Guys, what happened to all the buttons? Uh-oh. Get a protest. Piece like, of live matter. This piece of fucking shite paused the fucking recording ah, when crap. I added Undertow to it. Fuck you, MP3 Skype recorder. Aww. All right, let me... God damn it. And Is the, anybody recording? Any, anytime you try and click on it, it, like, spends 30 seconds thinking. Uh, yeah. Notification setting. Duh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what the... And that was a lot of really good content, too. That that was some good content. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is fucking recording a piece of slime. Let's <laughs> just leave that in. <laughs> oh, if, if... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to try 
turning it off and then listening to the MP3. And See if then, it and it, well, uh, just give me a sec, boy. Okay, and we're back. Okay, and some new files popped up, so should be recording. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that rant. It did record it, apparently. Uh, welcome to MP3 Skype Recorder. Yeah, wait, welcome to the technical difficulties hour. It, it, uh. it is the, the showdown of, of Windows 10 programs, okay? I thought Windows 10 was the showdown of Windows 10 programs. I, I mean, it, it's, it's like, it's like staring I mean, all, into all... the abyss <laughs> and there's Chris Chan's China looking back at you. Oh god. I mean, all that's missing really from Windows 10 is a voice saying, you know, that you're an insect. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Windows 10 is the Windows 10 of Windows you know, 10s. <laughs> Windows 10 to the 10th shock. power. Yeah. Speaking of System Shock, though, uh, we're all we're all gamers. Uh, have any of you guys seen the, the new footage of the uh, uh, new Prey game that Arcane Studios is working on? I have not. It actually it looks genuinely good, which is shocking to me because uh, Dishonored was not. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I skipped out on Dishonored 2 for that exact same reason. I, I heard Dishonored 2 was good. I mean, sorry, I haven't played Thief. Um, I don't know if I'd like Dishonored 2 because I refuse to play games with female protagonists. Uh, <laughs> just just to piss off Anita Sarkeesian. I, I've actually got nothing against female protagonists. I just don't like her very much. <laughs> well, it's very obvious. That they, they made her a lesbian for no reason. And this was someone who was... Uh, a little girl in the first game who you were supposed to uh you were supposed to rescue at some point and was like a surrogate adopted daughter of the main character. So yeah, aren't you proud that your daughter is a lesbian now? Is that's another oh, reason that I avoid she will have many yeah. children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and the thing is it's a setting where you're in a in an uh, an empire. She's the new empress, you know? Oh yeah, that's a good plan to continue. You, their family's reign of the empire, isn't it? Yeah, you know, well, one what thing you do is you just get you just get the suitable donors to fill up a turkey baster that's shaped like Jodie Foster's fist, and uh, that's how you get your heirs to the throne. This is um, one thing that I will give uh, Fallout New Vegas. Even though they had to shove in a homosexual and a lesbian, the lesbian commented that it was not it was frowned upon in the Brotherhood of Steel because they were an isolated community. And they were expected to breed. Well, that's just uh, that has nothing to do with political positions, and that just has everything to do with uh, Chris Avalon being a good writer. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I said all that to bring up Arcane Studios, who's working on the new Prey game, and um, I never got around to playing the original Prey, um, but I I still want to at some point. It was one of the first games to have like portals and gravity changing direction and that sort of thing and one interesting thing it starred a native american actually an indian and uh the death mechanic was you you became your spirit animal uh which was like an eagle or something and you had to fire uh bow and arrows at, at ghosts and stuff to come back to life it was really cool um and basically the story was all about you go you go and you kill a bunch of aliens to get revenge for them abducting and dissecting your grandpappy or something but anyway this new game has nothing to do with that apparently and from what i can tell the protagonist is actually a white guy which is strange given our current political and 
cultural climate, but maybe they're going to say that he's a Native American and he just you know looks generic or something. Wait, let, let, but, let uh, me go on a let me go on a rant here because I don't know what the fucking game you're what game you're talking about. But yeah, okay. you know what? It's uh, it, the problem with SJWism is it is complete freaking pandering. You're, you just said, like, I understand why it's a white guy, given that, the, like, the history of the game. It's like, I would love to have a really cool Native American protagonist. I've read some good stories with Native American protagonists. Uh, I think that, I don't think I'm unique in the fact that I really like Native American culture. I like their artwork. I love the yeah. uh, stories about, I th- man, the Red Man is cool as shit. Okay? Yeah. Which is probably really racist and upsetting some SJWs right now. I, I like the Red good. Man. Um <laughs> But I would love to have, yeah, that that would be that sounds cool. That sounds really interesting. So why they put a white male protagonist? Because they are pandering. Okay, it's the same. Th- the reason they're shoving lesbians into Star Wars is because they're pandering. Okay, it's a different demographic they're pandering to, but they they never look at it as let's create art. You know, it sounds like the first mm-hmm. game. It's like let's create a native. Ama- oh, what if the spirit animal death like that? That is art. That is creative. That is really neat. Yep. Um, yeah. it's not pandering, it's art. Now they're pandering. Yeah. But, uh, actually the reason I brought it up is because it actually looks like a good game for once. Um, it, uh, it, it there's an eight minute, uh, gameplay thing that they put out of it and it actually looks like a new system shock game. Uh, it takes place on a space station um, aliens are invading and you get all kinds of psychic powers and stuff. And they showed off one that actually lets you mimic uh, any prop in the game. And the character that was the guy that was playing the walkthrough, um, he uses the psychic power on like a coffee mug on a table. And it turns the character into a coffee mug and he rolls it under a, a ticket booth uh, through the little ticket slot to get into an office. So that was pretty cool. And uh, it, they, they've all got all kinds of other things like they're really hearkening back to the days when games were games. And, you know, you pick up this weapon and it doesn't just shoot better. It's it's like a goo cannon that can shoot hardening foam. And you can use that to put out fires. You can use it to freeze enemies in place. And you can spray it on the walls to make like a makeshift ladder and like, you know, bunny hop your way up the side of the wall. Just a lot of fun playing around with systems and stuff. And it's it's again, they, they clearly were thinking about, OK, what different ways can you interact with this environment as opposed to how are we going to make more money off of this? Well, and that's a really challenging thing as a game developer is to it is. actually give the players tools to mess with the environment because mm-hmm. then, like, that's the the environment is typically one of those, those cement walls that you're not allowed to go past. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my favorite things in Ultima 8 was, you know, spending half an hour piling up objects so that I could jump over the edge of the scenery. And crashed the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it was completely pointless, but it was it was it's just so well, much any, fun anyone, breaking the engines. Yeah, anyone who plays games as a hobby and not just as something to kill time—that's what we do. You try and break. We go out of our way to, yeah, just to see what you can get away with because I, it's all about being I, a part of the creation. At, at one point in Ultimate Eight, uh, I, I figured out how to kill every character that didn't have a death animation because you weren't supposed to be able to kill them. And I, <laughs> I took all... And so when you killed them, they just... They froze in their taking pain position. And so then I took all their corpses 
and put them on the the crenellations of the house I decide to take over as my own. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was yeah, stuff like that is great because it's it's all about the interaction of rule systems. It's not about wowing you with a spectacle like a movie. There's a yeah. uh, there's a channel and I can't remember the channel's name, but he has a uh, show called Boundary Break. And basically, I just he found him. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah, good the, show. He go he hacks into a, a lot of early 3D games, uh, but some more recent ones. He basically hacks into the into it so he can move the camera wherever, so he can you know go see things you shouldn't possibly be able to see in these games. And it's amazing some of the things he finds that are hidden that you would almost never be able to see. Like there's a uh, a level in Mario Galaxy. That has the uh, spaceship from the Pikmin games in it, and it's so far out there that you'd probably you'd barely be able to see it if you noticed it. But when you go up close to it with the camera, which you're not normally able to do, it's incredibly well detailed. Mm-hmm. So somebody at Nintendo just probably for shits and giggles decided to make it and put it there, even though <laughs> it serves no purpose. <laughs> you know Carver City in GTA Three. Mm-hmm. I oh man, I spent hours trying to fly to that thing and I never managed to. Uh, you know, I, I could get all the way up like with the 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 dodo, the 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 plane in it is supposed to be impossible to fly, but you can act you can actually fly it. It's just really freaking difficult. And I'm I managed to fly it for a bit, but if you go all the way around the map, you actually find the city that the intro sequence happens in. And I, I just thought that was so freaking cool. I, I love just messing with the game systems like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've I've dabbled a little bit in uh, some game development. Nothing serious, just some scripting with uh, you know pre-made engines like Unity and Unreal. But I've I've every time I've dabbled in those things, it's always been an attempt to create something like System Shock or like uh, some of the old Arcane Studios games, Looking Glass as well. They did Thief and all that. And the the thing that makes those games like Deus Ex and Thief and System Shock and all that, what makes them so great is the fact that they're, they're puzzle boxes. They're not uh, not storytelling devices. You know, the, the narrative may be paper thin, but you can fold it in any direction you want. I mean, Deus Ex, you can just hop in and blow up a main character if you know that, the, you know, if you've played the game before and, oh, I know that this person is actually going to betray me later. People in the game actually react to it. You know, it doesn't just give you a game over and say you weren't following the script. That's not what happens here. You know? Well, that's one thing I've, I've thought a lot about with RPG scripts is that you you need you need an end goal that's going to be universal for any character. However, you want to play the character, you have this end goal. And and I th- I think that actually touches on what what I like so much about these games. You said how you play the character. It's not uh, these these game companies like. Looking Glass and Ion Storm and old, old School Arcane, they acknowledge the fact that a game is not complete until it has a player. You know, you're, you don't just hand a product to somebody and they consume it and then they're done like a movie. It's, it's a, it's, there's an expression element to playing a game that, you know, most people just miss out on because they frankly don't care. 
That's one of the reasons that I loved Saints Row 2 so much when I played it. Because so many of the Grand Theft Auto games, while impressive in spectacle and fun to dick around in, never enthralled me as a narrative. Because, you know, I basically got far enough that I've unlocked most of the map or all of the map, and then I just dick around. Whereas Saints Row 2 was one of the few times that the narrative actually in play. Like, a lot of these Grand Theft Auto games, your character is this conflicted anti-hero or reluctant, you know, bad guy with a heart of gold, and it's like, that's not how you play those games. You know, on the way to this mission, mm-hmm. I slaughtered 80 people for the fun of it, including the medics who showed up to help. Well, the, you, you know, know nobody plays those games like that, but Saints Row 2 acknowledges that, hey, you're kind of a shitbag. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a good counterpoint, or not counterpoint, but a good example of that is... um uh, what's it called? Um, Watch Dogs 2 recently came out, and uh, I follow a guy on YouTube called Super Bunny Hop. Either of you guys ever heard of him? I've heard of him, yeah. yeah. He's pretty good, actually, for for as mainstream and popular as he is. He's actually pretty well grounded as far as, uh, you know, not being a total social justice pushover and all that kind of stuff. But um, regardless, uh, he was talking about uh, in Watch Dogs 2, the whole name narrative is the hacker group that you're part of is something who's they're more like old school anonymous or something where they they want to grow the the objective of the story is they want to grow their brand so that people are following them so that when they make a leak or when they you know switch off a a a telescreen at a uh, at a football game or something that'll get you more followers or whatever um and what really gelled with that story was the way that uh, George, Super Bunny Hop, the way he played it, um, he played it as a stealth game, and he was using, like, drones and stuff to go around the guards, and, and you know, he was strapping explosives to their to his little drone, going over to something that he needed to blow up, and then hitting the trigger after everybody had left the room. So he was doing, like, a no-kill run. And... That makes a lot more sense for something that's like a bunch of kids doing playful mischief against some corporations, which is what the story is about. But <laughs> the first reaction that you have when you're playing that game is to whip out an assault rifle and mow 20 people down. Yeah. 20 people <laughs> who are just doing their job. Well, to I'll, do, be, you know. I'll be honest. And yet somehow, like. somehow, somehow people are still supposed to be like, oh, yeah, these guys are so cool, even though they're mass murderers. And it, it really just breaks down. This is actually why I like GTA 3 and Vice City a lot more than Saints Row 2. Um, I, I could, I just could not get into Saints Row 2. It was so, like, the absurdity was cranked up so high that nothing I was doing mattered. I think you're thinking more of Saints Row 3 or 4. I'm, I'm talking 2, okay? I I haven't played any of the other ones. I, oh, I, I still found two pretty decently grounded for one of those kind of games. Well, it's like you're going around spraying sewage on house. It, It just, and, I don't know. That, well, that's because uh, GTA the character is just a may- mayhem guy. You know, it's just a crate. You're, you're halfway to being a Joker character. That's see, I like the fact that it wrote your character as being some shitbag that just goes around fucking with the world because that's how you play one of those games. Maybe it was <laughs> just a multi-ethnic you, gang of. I don't know. It's like the the first one you were just well, yeah, a complete your gang psychopath. Kind of your your gang is kind of the Burger King Kids Club all grown up, but. I mean, it's just missing the dude in the wheelchair. I'm, I'm probably just getting too old for these bloody games, but I, I, I like that you're a complete <laughs> psychopath in the first one. In the second one, you're an angry Italian, which I can relate to. 
Um, <laughs> and then the third one, you're a benighted black man that wastes all his money on fast food and murders innocent people. Yeah. yeah. FBI crime statistics, you know? <laughs> Yet also has his own house to stay in, you know? That, that poor, oppressed black man that owns his own house. <laughs> but I, I did like the story of uh of San Andreas was good once you like the first part of it's like he's not he's living in a freaking great neighborhood as far as I'm concerned you know <laughs> this is the ghetto oh you poor poor oppressed minority <laughs> but then then when the, once you get to San Francisco it gets pretty good I like the rest of the story just the beginning sucks I mean, I'm probably just getting too bloody old for those games um. Old man Arini. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I <laughs> my lawn with your Xboxes. I, I well, it might not be an age thing, because I've never enjoyed those open world games very much. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm still a big kid at heart. You know, give me a, a Mario or a Sonic game, and I'll play that way more. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> give me some good old-fashioned 2D side-scrolling, and I'm, I'm, I'm content with that. <laughs> I mean, shit, I love Kirby games, and it doesn't get more simple a narrative than that. I mean, usually, most that, Kirby games... Well, you'd be surprised. Well, actually. yeah, towards the end, they throw out <laughs> there's also the devil. But, <laughs> but usually, like, a Kirby game, the story is basically, like, Kirby is taking a nap, and then evil happens, and Kirby's gonna go kick its ass. Yeah. Yeah, but then but then you play a Kirby game and you start getting people on the on the anime boards that engage in inflation and cannibalism fetishes. <laughs> oh no, 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 none of well, that. Oh, hey, that has to do with Kirby. Kirby is pure and innocent, and Kirby is shaped like a friend. Okay, listen, yeah, dude, it, it I, I'm a me Sonic out. fan. I've already learned how to tune those people out. <laughs> <laughs> it creeped me out before I knew anything. Like before I realized, like the dirtiest thing I thought about was the cleanest thing that most people engage in. Okay? And <laughs> as a kid, Kirby creeped me out because of that. Really? It, well, it's cannibalism, or or whatever. It's kind of creepy. I'm like, what's with those Japs <laughs> wanting to eat people all the time? <laughs> <laughs> it's all the radiation. <laughs> Now, this, this would be a perfect segue if we wanted to cover uh, the Amazing Atheist bit that just came. Do we want to cover that? that that's just kind of disgusting. I don't know if we even want to cover uh, it. I'm not familiar with it. It's up to you, Beck. I, I wish know I was about it. Yeah, I, I guess I'm technically in charge here. Um, I, I, I really wish I wasn't familiar with the Amazing Atheist, period. But, um, Maybe oh, I by can, the way, uh... he just recently got over a million uh, subscribers on YouTube. Are you so. kidding? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, in all fairness to the Amazing Atheist, that does almost think, make you think there's no God. You know, I, uh, I almost <laughs> want to, like, storm out and just, like, slam the door and say I'm done right now. <laughs> like, listen, it's like the, of a cup. Like those JonTron bits where, like, like those JonTron bits where halfway through the video he's always like, I quit! <laughs> Here, here's the thing, I get Sargon of a cock pad or whatever the hell his name is like i get like listen he has a stupid british accent that you dumbass americans think sounds intelligent all right he <laughs> pretends to be a decent human being while he's flowing, flicking cigarettes into his neighbor's yard 
He's the only anti-feminist most of these dumbass 13-year-olds that subscribe to him have ever heard of. I, I get Sargon of Kakad. All right? Amazing Atheist is this this what? hairy Ewok motherfucker <laughs> that puts bananas up. Like, he's just progressively more and more... Like, listen, when he put the banana up his ass, I'm like, well, that's disgusting, but I'm not going to judge him another man on his private life. Uh, and, but it's just, like, it just gets, like, he's turning into Chris Chan for crying I'm out loud. I'm sorry. It's but like how Chris loo- Chan has a fan base. <laughs> I'm sorry, but how loose does your asshole have to be to get a banana up there? I maybe, mean. Maybe it was a frozen like, banana. Maybe I, he wanted a regular banana later, and he was just <laughs> speeding up the process. He was stalling out his banana. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's nature's pocket. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Um, okay, so the 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 breaking news with Christians are Christian. I'm sorry, amazing atheist. Um, somebody sent me this. Apparently, Tommy Sotomayor is feuding with him, so he put this video out there. I'm not sure if there's any real definitive proof uh, because it's just screen caps from a chat, so this might not be true at all. But supposedly. Uh, the amazing atheist was fucking a 14 year old girl when he was 23. Now, I'm sorry, like, that is like the least fucked up thing TJ has done. I mean, another time, it's the and amazing era, atheist. And if they were getting married and they were in love, they could raise a family together and be yeah. productive members of society. Listen, it's the amazing atheist. I'm a 14 year old girl. I'm just amazed it wasn't a four year old boy. All right. That that guy, I mean, you've you Forney broke the thing. Um, well, oh. didn't break it. Forney Forney dug up that thing from a year ago where he was with some female to male tranny or something like that. That was basically that... retarded. That he was, you know, finally the family turned on him and said, "Get off our lawn," because you know you're. And he was that was when amazing her, atheist inducting her into cannibalism. Yeah, fetishism. amazing atheist famously said. Oh, yeah, that, oh, geez, you're, you're bringing it all back. Too. I yeah, well, you don't, part. like he says, you don't really know someone until you see their FetLife profile, right? Oh, good. And, 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 and this, by the way, this is, this female to male trend, it was just a confused girl. She wasn't on yeah. hormones, she hadn't had her tits removed, she, but, but he insisted on referring to her as him. And it, it Listen, I'm I, I, I've got. I'm amazed there's female to male trannies. I mean, for fuck's sake, being a girl is easy mode in life. Well, Why but the fuck be, would you want to give be, that up? <laughs> listen, listen, that that makes total sense because if they're brainwashed enough to do something like that, they're being brainwashed to think that it's the other way around. Wait, wait, but here's here's That's the funny true. thing. Do you know that speaking of, you know, Kirby and whatnot, uh, Tricklypuff, that little <laughs> smarmy little brat that was. Uh, uh, at the whole Jordan Peterson protest, smarmy brat. Yes, little no. Oh, well, short. Yeah, l- little Slot. in the sense of planetary. Little in the sense of planetary bodies. So, Trickly <laughs> Puff is a female to male transsexual, but decided to be tried as a woman. So they do know. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't want. She didn't want to go to like rape me in the ass prison. Apparently, she just wanted to go to women's prison. They should, have, I, they should have sent her to bang me in the ass prison. That, like, I, I hate to wish well, ill on they, people, that, but the thing is, they wouldn't even have to bang her in the ass. Exactly, they'd have options. Anyway, and I'm sure she likes black guys. 
Uh, this being the Clary podcast, you remember about a couple years ago when um, Amazing Atheist wanted to fight Aaron Clary? What? God, yes. you, I, I, I didn't even hear about this. That. This is, this uh, is golden. So what it was was Aaron Clary had gone out there and said like 90, one of his videos was like 90% of the people claiming to have a mental illness are full of shit. They're just lazy or they're poor character. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, actually, actually me- listen, mental illness 90% of the time is a result of you making poor choices, sinful yeah. choices. Yeah, look, at the very least, um, you, you have to get, yeah, to say that he's, he's not totally wrong, right? Oh, you know, by, he's by on the, way, Dr. John Patrick, the most conservative estimate. Go, Dr. John Patrick actually backs me up on this, that antidepressants, um, just create addictions to antidepressants. You know, like, yeah, they certainly work until you're stuck on antidepressants for the rest of your life. You know, I've got a medical doctor backing me up on that. Yeah, right out of high school, um, I was still dating my high school sweetheart and she was on antidepressants that some, some quack had put her on. And, um, you know, they, they fuck with your libido a lot. And, uh, what they did to her was, uh, she still wanted to fuck, but she couldn't climax. It was just oh, exceedingly, it was exceedingly diff. Like after, after a while, I'm like, like my jaw hurts, sweetie. Are you done yet? And, <laughs> um, finally I, I'm talking to her about this. She's like, I'm sorry. It's not you. It's the pills. I'm like, why the fuck are you on these pills? Like go to the doctor said I'm depressed. And I was just like, well, Hun, I mean, you're, you're like 20 years old and you don't know what the fuck to do with your life and you're working at Arby's. Of course you're fucking depressed. Here's the thing though. You know, unless, unless if he diagnoses her, unless if he gives her a diagnosis, the medical system won't cover her therapy. If she is diagnosed with something, then her therapy is, she just needs to talk to somebody maybe because we all need to talk to somebody. I told her to, I told her to fucking throw, they dumped the pills down the fucking sewer and she did and she felt better. Well, here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. Uh, Quitting those things cold turkey is actually extremely dangerous uh, because that throws off your brain chemistry really fast. It's better to taper off on those. So if you're listening, she was on a high dosage. So, okay. uh, Well, if you're listening and you are on a high dosage or you're on a more serious kind of medication, don't go completely. Be called her. No, and, and um, listen, I've met off. people. Yes, I've I'm not Doctor Oz. I'm actually your medical <laughs> Right. I just, I'm just. Well, as one person. of the, as one of the dumb fuckers that majored in psychology, I want to use it for something. So <laughs> I'm going to use my expertise this one time to warn you. Make sure you taper off of that, for that crap. Yeah, let, let me put it on the undertow and tell me if you back this statement up. See, as you, you're right. You've actually got training on this. Um, you know, like if you if you have a sucking chest wound, your good friend Dorini is gonna rip open the uh, the bandage he has and and tape it up for you so that your lung doesn't deflate and that all the pus you know spills out the bottom. Because I know how to do that. I'm pretty much useless with everything else, but I can deal with a sucking chest wound. Um, if in six months I'm still putting new bandages on you, you maybe should be asking me why you haven't done anything about the sucking chest wound. Yes. Yes, and that Drugs. is what antidepressants are. They are a band-aid on a bigger problem. Yes, if you are so freaked out that you need a mood stabilizer, whether it's an SSRI or lithium or whatever, there's a time and place for that. But it should be dealt with within a fortnight, as far as I'm concerned. You should not be on those things that's, for more than a couple weeks. Excellent point, actually. And that's yeah. the thing. I don't 
look, all these things where it's like, you know, we're putting a kid on, we're, we're putting this person on fucking Ritalin or antidepressants or whatever, all these psychoactive drugs, you know, I'd never take the hard stance that there's never an appropriate thing for that. It's just these problems are massively overdiagnosed. These pills are handed out like fucking candy. And, you know, we need to rein that crap in. Speaking, um, but anyway, uh, no, I got well, speaking of, and since right, we were talking the, about the autism, story, no, I, you were going to hang love on this the, the story of, um, hang on a second. I, I want to get the Aaron Clary thing. So Aaron Clary was it basically, he said that, you know, mental illnesses, is, you know, 90% of it's bullshit. And then of course, if there's one thing you can't question with a guy like amazing atheist that you can't touch his victim status, you know, that's, that's like what questioning honor is to a real man. Um, so he's like, well, I'm going to fight this motherfucker. And Aaron Clay is just laughing at this. But basically, he's like, I'm going to kick his ass if he ever sees him. And I was just outright saying to Aaron Clay, like, you ought to just, like, openly challenge him to an MMA fight. I, I would like, have all just my money like, on Aaron Clary. And Aaron's I don't care all like, that the Ewok know. is seven and a half feet tall. Aaron yeah, Aaron's all like, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, get involved with him. You I know, I, catch I'm sure Aaron's like, blood. yeah, I don't want to accidentally, I don't want to touch him, basically. Uh, and I don't blame him for that, but I was like, look, man, I know that guy's like fucking, you know, seven feet tall and shit, but I've seen you bounce up a mountain like fucking Spider-Man. All right. This guy's not going to be able to get lay a finger on you. The, the only, the only chance he possibly has to win a fight is maybe he can manage to fall on you. Or AIDS. <laughs> he shoots pause loads. <laughs> so he actually wanted to fight Aaron Clary. Cause Aaron, oh my. All right, let's speak about another. Yeah, he's literally like, you know, if I ever see this guy, I'm beating the shit out of him. No, you aren't. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you are. But not, not with your one fingerless leather glove, you aren't. <laughs> All right. So, well, you know, this man, can I just. I get frustrated sometimes by the law. It's, it's you ain't no, I ain't no native. I was born right here. Like, I get people that call me fucking pretentious, right? <laughs> I, I'm like, you're subscribed to the Amazing Atheist. <laughs> like, if listen, when I hang out with my buddy that you know hasn't had a regular job in two years but drinks every single day. You know, and some of his friends think I'm pretentious. I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm a little bit fancy hoity-toity compared to you folks, but I I can still drink beer with you. Uh, when an amazing atheist subscriber calls me pretentious, it's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> pretense is his modus operandi. You would think it. Yeah. Uh... See, I have fingerless leather gloves because I ride a fucking motorcycle, you prick. Oh my god! Yeah, you've the also you've two... also probably you've also probably seen your penis in the last couple of years. The only two types of down. people <laughs> are allowed to wear finger. No, th- well, three types of. Well, we're gonna disclude the gays, so two types of people: um, motorcycle enthusiasts and. David Lister. Nobody else gets to wear fingerless leather gloves. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The autistic kids with the trench coats and fedoras in high school certainly seem to like them. Oh, Jesus Christ. Man, 
back when I was in high school, those like those were the cool kids with the trench coats. <laughs> we were the ones that got called to the office and asked not to wear our trench coats because there'd just been a shooting down in Lethbridge the day before. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, those Columbine guys, they really had their stuff together, didn't they? <laughs> well, no, we were we were the ones that were at the parties, okay? We were the ones that, yeah, yeah I got a line on some booze. I, I got a boot. He'll get us some booze for Friday. And I was like, oh, I'm straight edge. You're not fucking straight edge. You just can't get laid. <laughs> Alright, but anyway, speaking of straight edge, speaking of mental disorders, okay, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and um, and now he, he's been diagnosed as Asperger's, and, and do you know the, the way his psychologist explained what Asperger's was undertow? How? He has low executive function and social difficulties. Oh, man. That is a useless fucking definition. <laughs> well, that's so broad. That uh, you, you know, I've got low executive function. I'm hungover most of the time. And social difficulties, I'm a <laughs> prick. I'm, I'm kind of a jerk, okay? In real life, I'm not a very nice person. I, I try super hard to be nice because I'm not a nice person. See, the thing is, this all comes down to to insurance and crap and the big pharma and everything. Yeah. Um, it's It's like you were saying earlier, when you can't, when you can't get any affordable treatment without being diagnosed with something, the doctors, out of the kindness of their own heart, are going to make the the definitions broader and broader so that anybody who needs anything can get a little bit of a help, you know? Oh, and you know what? For the, for the civilians out there, we should probably explain what low executive function means. Ah, uh, yes. It means that you're disorganized and you sleep in. Oh shit, that's me then. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. We all have social difficulties and we all have executive function problems because we're uh, Gen X millennials that can't find fucking jobs and never learned any goddamn discipline. I so, mean, I'd never get up before noon if I didn't have to. You wonder why <laughs> autism is on the fucking rise? It's because the definition is because we're a damaged generation. And in, instead of, like, listen, the real definition of Asperger's is somebody who who has an they they have like a they not just let it's when somebody lacks a theory of mind. Now th this is not something you can educate them on. It's that they they functionally cannot understand other people's minds or their own mind in a certain mm -hmm. manner. Would you would you back that up, Undertow? I would. It's almost as if they lack the concept of intent. They Things often, just happen. They often don't know that they have emotions or which emotions they're feeling. So, so they'll be like really angry about something, but they won't think they're angry. They'll just be yelling at everybody. And if you mm -hmm. ask them why, they'll tell you, well, it's because somebody, because of, like, they'll make up a reason. Right? But it's like, yeah. no, you're just pissed off because somebody kicked your car today. And they're like, I'm not angry. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're angry, buddy. <laughs> But so now yeah, well, this, this buddy of mine now he he grew up and he had a rough time and so he's got to he he needs to get his his stuff together. But he's not Asperger's. He just has low executive function and social difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like like I was saying, like it's difficult to get help for any of these things when usually all you really need is just to talk to somebody about it. You know, 
the reason that, that Freud was able to help a lot of people out wasn't because he was some genius that had all these amazing ideas. I mean, he had a few that were kind of useful, but it was mostly just because he talked to these people and listened to their problems. And he gave them somewhere that was safe to work through, through their problems vocally and communicate to someone else. A lot of what we go through internally we don't make any progress with it unless we vocalize it to another human being. There, because in, there, there's no accident that you should be saying prayers out loud. Okay, it no, is entirely none of, internal. Yeah, technically you can. You don't have to. Yeah, you need you need to vocalize them. It's just like the just like the old saying that you learn more from teaching than you do from being taught. When you have to put your thoughts into another form so that another person understands you. You make so much more progress in anything that may be bothering you. Um, I, to be, be perfectly honest, I've, I've had a lot more success in my own personal emotional journeys just from doing podcasts with you, Beckloff, and, and having some great conversations with you over the phone, Arini. Um, and that's, that's the thing that people don't really seem to understand about psychology is that it's mostly just giving people a reason to open up a little bit. Get letting people help themselves. And, and most frameworks that you use in psychology. Now, now, and I do try and discipline myself to using real, but, but ultimately, <clears throat> like, if you're talking to somebody and you, let's say you diagnose their ex-husband as a, a narcissist or whatever, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether or not their husband actually was a narcissist. The point is that their ex-husband abused them, um, that they had to, like, there's a reason that they fell prey to that. They need to learn coping techniques to avoid that. And 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 they need to talk. They need to I, talk and relate to somebody else and have somebody appreciate what they're feeling, and that's it. I used to watch yeah. that show House a lot, um, uh, and it was I, I thought it was really good till about the last couple of seasons. It was good and for like a, four or five years. There's an episode in there when like his original team had moved on and he didn't have a new team yet and he didn't think he needed one. But he couldn't think uh, straight until, like, at one point he got so desperate, he basically, like, grabbed the janitor and, like, sat him down and started, like, bouncing ideas off of him. I remember that episode. Uh, to the point where he got in trouble, actually, because he didn't want to talk to the patient, so he just threw a lab coat on the janitor and told him to go tell the patient this stuff. Like, he had the janitor just uh, impersonating a doctor, basically. <laughs> um, but it was really funny because, like, he couldn't, he couldn't bounce ideas off. Like, I guess somebody had uh, um, somebody had gotten hurt somehow, and he said, like, uh, something had fallen on him. And he said, suppose your uh, electric floor buffer, your floor buffer there was broken because something fell on it. And he goes, well, I guess I, I might check the electrical system first. And he's like, it's great. I'll check the, I'll check the uh, brain. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you just you need somebody to bounce shit off of. Yeah, and a lot of what gets lost with with especially with all the antidepressants that get flung out there, like SSRIs, SNRIs, and NDRIs, where the RI in all of those stands for reuptake inhibitor. And for for those of you who aren't aware of of this, what reuptake inhibitors do is they make they make the neurotransmitters in your brain stay active longer. Basically, neurotransmitters are the tiny chemicals that actually let signals pass from cell to cell within your brain. Uh, they get let out, the s signal goes through, and then they get reabsorbed. Um, and what that is doing, it's not 
it's not happy pills. It's magic right? pills. It's not, it's not right. It's not altering your personality. It's just, it's making your brain function a little bit more smoothly and a little bit more intensely in some cases, depending on your personal. It, it's, it's like something chemistry. that locks your throttle in at 1500 RPMs and doesn't let well, it. Well, not even necessarily that. Uh, some of them are milder and some of them interact with, uh, every, every brain is different, right? You may, you may be having depression or something because you have a lot of, serotonin that's getting reabsorbed or you may have a lot of norepinephrine that's getting reabsorbed or that's beside the point the point is you know you might just be having depression because shit in your life is wrong well yes depression is what's telling you to fix that shit mm -hmm. right (laughs) i mean to to some extent we're kind of like saying like you can't feel anymore like no you shouldn't be sad well sometimes you're supposed to be sad well that's the thing that's the thing it's not that they don't let you feel the the point is it makes it a little easier to get your thoughts clearer that's the only thing that they do and when it gets down to it these things will not do anything for you unless you are talking to somebody unless you are reaching out and communicating with the people in your life and that is why you see these people on these things become mass shooters that's why you see these people totally ruin their lives is because they don't reach out the people that are diagnosed with depression and are given these things it's what they needed was to reach out and talk to somebody you know like uh anybody who becomes a mass shooter on ssris what's the common thread they were taking these things yes but they were all alone they were lonely like look at elliot rogers completely alone in a crowd exactly parents didn't care about him his like everybody was just about status and Hollywood bling, and here he is. And yeah, yeah, he was a little bit of a cunt. You know, he probably needed to be smacked in the head, but he was just <laughs> alone. He was alone with his own thoughts. He was in solitary confinement for three frickin' years. Mm-hmm. And then and he when snaps you, when and you kills make those, people. Yeah, when you make those thoughts faster, you just come to a lot of way more extreme conclusions a lot faster. Listen, I want to I want to expand upon this loneliness concept, and, and and talk a little bit about serotonin overload, because uh, last weekend I actually uh, went out to the bar, and me and this other guy we were talking to these these two ladies that I could have sworn to God that were completely uninterested and disgusted by me, like they just they hated guys with goatees or whatever, um, like all the body language said they were completely uninterested. And then they sat there for three hours talking to us. Not once they ask any, like they never really showed interest, but they kept talking to us the entire time. And they, they were pretty mm-hmm. girls. They weren't stupid. Um, but it was a complete non-starter. You know, like I exchanged email addresses with the dude. I didn't even bother asking the girls for their number because I wasn't interested. But I, I started thinking about it afterwards. And those two girls. We're on serotonin overload. Like, listen, guys, got guys, you know when you beat off, and then you're just mellow, but you're also not very communicative with anybody? <laughs> That's what these girls were. Yep. These girls... Have That's why been, I'm so quiet right now. They, 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 <laughs> they've been masturbating furiously this entire time. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what you... You're not? How could, <laughs> listen, we know that all the viewers are doing this just to the sound of our voices, guys. Yeah. Come on. 
Yeah, just, just pause in the tranny porn for a moment. I know the all look let me, white. Let me get nice and close um, to the microphone so you can get every every decibel of this. But that's, that, that's one of the problems with porn is that it gives you a serotonin overload. Okay, mm-hmm. it numbs your ability to appreciate other things. So yes. suddenly, like, when you beat off to porn, the sunrise is less spectacular, or sunset if you're Beckloff. Um, <laughs> or me. Um, you know, like when when you eat McDonald's burgers for every freaking meal, suddenly nothing is interesting. Suddenly, you need to be doing a line of blow. Like, listen, so first first sex that's becomes great, boring, then it becomes pervert perverted. That's that's a great analogy because I think that's the best way to describe porn. It's basically a, a mental and spiritual junk food. Like a lot of anti-porn people will overemphasize or over-exaggerate how bad it is for you. Because, look, um, you're not going to look at a couple of dirty movies and then you're going to be fucking Ted Bundy. Um, but, you know... If you keep watching the dirty movies... Exactly. In much the same way, you, you know, you're not going to become a diabetic from eating a Milky Way bar once in a while. But if it's every fucking meal, you know, like if you're movie Bob, then, yeah, you're going to become diabetic. <laughs> and that's exactly it. It's like, ideally, you don't eat any of it. Right? Ideally, you have, like, good steak and potatoes, and you have some... But you know what? Realistically, you, you stop at... you're hungry. sometimes it's your lunch break at work, and that's all you got time for. Exactly. So, n- nobody's... <laughs> whatever. We're, we're certainly not throwing it's... stones in glass houses here. Hey, you know, you gotta get the poison out. But, you know, these these girls, I realized... Like, I've been thinking about this for the past few days. So, like, shoot, we, st- we spoke for, like, three hours, and they did not give me a single... They were totally not interested in me, but I was the most interesting thing that had happened to them all day. But they still weren't interested. Serotonin <laughs> overload. Now, now for girls, it's not so much the pornography. It's more the, the Facebooks, the likes, the, I, I don't know, uh, decorating the frickin' office, their stupid job. I don't know what it is that burns out a woman's serotonin, but they were, they were burned out serotonin-wise. And so, Listen, under, we were just talking about these people going psycho because they lacked human connection. You cannot connect to people if your serotonin receptors are burned out. That's right. Why, why do you think, why do you think ecstasy is so popular? Because ecstasy reactivates your serotonin receptors so that even in the, the world of McDonald's burgers blow and online porn, you can actually connect with somebody while you're taking ecstasy, and then you feel like committing suicide the next day, but, you know. Yep. We lack human connection. And, and for crying out loud, I mean, like, like what we do with this, this whole... Like, the main thing that we do with podcasting, and I, I think we do a good job of it, is that we... We're honest. We're, we try and be entertaining, but it's like we've got, like, shit folks. You know that we respond to you in the comments. You know, if we catch them. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't always see it, Chat but we, we try and respond. Yep. <clears throat> uh, um, and you know, I was actually, we, we were talking about that on a live stream a while back when we talked about all the uh, review shows. They got so popular over the last 10 years and kind of on the wane now. Um, but you know, you look at a nostalgic critic or an angry video game nerd and it, 
it felt like you were watching your buddy bitch about this movie or video game. Like there was this everyman appeal to it kind of thing. And, you know, in an age in which, you know, actual real connections seem to be dying, people are kind of hungry for that. You know, I wonder how much this has to do with the online nastiness, too. Um, there's a certain viciousness that... I, th- If you want my opinion, I think it's uh, it's social media. Because social media, while it's connected to your real identity, it encourages you to completely destroy your real identity. You subsume it in this stereo... Or not stereotypical, but... Um, plastic, perfect, idealized, idealized, thank you, um, idealized portrayal, a caricature of yourself, really. And you're even more locked in, so to speak, than you are if you're just being yourself. This is a perf- the same thing with video games. We started off talking about games that we like and something coming up that looks like it's good. If you treat a video game as just something to waste your time with, then yeah, it's not going to be very fulfilling. But if you get dig deep into it and get something more out of it, even something the most shallow of games like the MMORPG, which I still I play one of them. Um, I had an excellent night tonight. Uh, I was raiding with a bunch of sweet people from Brazil. We were talking in chat. We got to know each other. We had a great time. You know that I was helping them learn English, and we we weren't just sitting there passing ships in the night, pressing buttons on a keyboard. You have to put something into what you're doing if you want to get something out of it. Whether you're taking antidepressants, whether you're playing video games, whether you're climbing a mountain, whether you're going and gaming a girl at a bar or whatever. Um, you, nobody, nobody who sits there and doesn't put themselves into anything is ever going to get any rewards back. And they are going to go insane because of it. And it really comes back to human intimacy. Yes. You know, uh, one of the problems with the hookup culture is that it has increasingly emphasized, it, the emphasis has all been placed upon the orgasm as opposed to the intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, and once like, again, once let, again, let me, you're, I, I you're not putting... I had a, a yeah. brilliant metaphor. Imagine if we went from like there, there's restaurants that emphasize the experience versus restaurants that emphasize the calories. Mm. You know, it's yeah. Hey, I I really love that garlic butter, whatever burger from <laughs> what call it, the guy with the the pointy nose. But there's something to be said to having a <laughs> meal. Just sitting down with people that you like, that you care about, and enjoying a really delicious, well-cooked meal versus cramming a burger in your mouth. And and the whole dating culture has started leaning towards the latter. And and that's very unfortunate. Well, with hookups versus a marriage, which one do you put more of yourself into? I mean, that's all I have to say, really. Like, even hookups 15 years ago, they were very romantic, they were very fun, there was a conversation beforehand, you, you knew the, these days it's, it's, it's Tinder, and the more anonymous it is, the better. Yeah. Can you really blame these guys with online waifus, with, with anime 2D waifus, 
when this is, you know, uh, when this is what sex has devolved into. You know, I actually heard in um, an analysis of the whole brony phenomenon where somebody mentioned, like, the, the characters in that My Little Pony show each represent a different angle of it, but, like, idealized femininity. And that's what these these poor fucking neats are are gravitating towards, whether they realize it or not. It's a uh-huh. very well written show. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't watched it, but I've I know it. It is very well written. Okay, it's not guys lusting after two D ponies. It's that we actually have real characters, far more real than we have on a lot. Good lord, the the adult sitcoms right now, the adult TV shows, everybody is snarky and pathetic. Uh-huh. Not, not, like, Seinfeld, they knew they were snarky and pathetic, and that was part of the joke. They were terrible, terrible people. That's why they all went to prison in the last episode, because they were terrible human beings. <laughs> but the Big Bang Theory acts like these people are, are aspirational. When they're well, absolutely they've become, not. they've become aspirational. To, to most people. I that I don't understand how, but you know, hey, this is a bit heavier than Clary's podcast usually is. <laughs> I like I like Clary better. Bring back Clary. <laughs> um, I think on that note, we're gonna probably wrap this up because I think we've gone for what probably well over an hour now. Um, yeah, yep. So, uh, so yeah, this has been a very special Aaron Clary free episode of the Clary podcast. Uh, I'm your uh, host this time, the Beckloff, and with me has been uh, Undertow. Hello, hello. And uh, Davis Arini. Uh, yo. And uh, I guess that's uh, that's about all we got, folks. Thanks for listening. Don't engage in cannibalism porn. <laughs>